This week, Moving to Live brings you an interview that we previously released on our sister podcast, FitLab PGH. We talked to Fred Goh, founder of PT Helper, an app that you can use to keep track of exercises. Learn Fred's story, how he's a lifetime mover, especially as a cyclist, and how he came up with the idea for the PT app.
and your business PT Helper, which I think takes advantage of technology without letting technology take over. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I guess my first question I always ask people from Fit, uh, Fit Lab Pittsburgh is because I am not a Pittsburgh native, native. Are you a Pittsburgh native? If so, why are you here? If you are not a Pittsburgh native, why the heck did you come here? Well, I am definitely not a Pittsburgh native. I was originally born in the Philippines, lived in Vancouver, then Toronto, then moved to Pittsburgh. So it turns out that uh, when I was in college in Toronto, one of my colleagues eventually became a CMU professor and started a company called uh, Scalable Networks and recruited me to come down. And I, my wife had just given birth and she had a six month maternity leave and we we're planning to come down for six months. And we've now been here for about 22 years. And was it the job that kept you here, the city that kept you here, or a combination of factors? I would say it was a combination of factors. Certainly the job opportunity were, was very different here in uh, the U.S. versus in Canada. And certainly uh, what we did find is that people here were very, very friendly, um, you know, and also very safe for one of one of the few cir circumstances where we accidentally, accidentally left our front door open while we went out, coming back and being like, say, what the heck? And n nothing was taken, nothing, no one ever showed up to our door. So we feel very safe in P Pittsburgh. And I know I'm also curious about people because you were talking to me a little bit beforehand. You are a cyclist. And what I find with people who are lifetime movers, because you're my age or maybe a little older, we've been around a few decades, you have a goal of uh, cycling up Alpe d'Huez, which is one of the famous cycling climbs in the Tour de France. And so clearly you are not somebody who kind of dabbles in exercise. It's something that you really, really enjoy doing because nobody wants to climb up a, a mountain in the Alps uh, just kind of on a whim. And my question to you is, have you been a mover all your life, or was it something you found maybe in school? And then kind of a follow-up question to that is, were your parents movers? Uh, maybe not uh, officially athletes, but they always did active and moving things. I was fortunate enough to interview uh, somebody recently who said, well, my parents were active. They weren't really athletes, but I grew up on an organic farm, and we were always working. So I found that people either move later in life, usually when they go to college, and maybe they have a really good college experience for a year or two and realize, ooh, I don't feel so good, or it's just it's normal to them to move doing something. So which were you, early or late to it? Well, I, I guess I was an early mover. You know, I always played, uh, being from the Philippines, played basketball. That was the first love sport. Uh, played basketball in elementary school all the way through high school and played some, I guess, club sport in basketball and in uh, college as well. Um, after college, I started cycling because one, part, partly a commuting opportunity. Um, also, I really enjoyed the feel of the wind in my hair when I still had hair. <laughs> um, and, you know, eventually found a group of friends in Toronto who would uh, go cycling every weekend. And early, when I was much younger, we would be the hardcore, what we call hammerheads, and you'd push as far hard as fast as you can go. Um, which at the time seemed like a lot of fun. Um, over over time, I've gotten a lot slower, um, but also still continue to enjoy cycling a lot. I guess you know I can do cycling usually three times during the week and uh, Saturdays and Sundays as well. And I have recently, I guess more than five years now, 
have been doing Team Sidious, which is a junior cycling program where we get uh, young kids from nine years old all the way up to 18 and introduce them to the cycling sport. Which is really cool because people who just see the cyclists out there in the spandex and the fancy jerseys looking very, very smooth going up the hills to North Park don't realize that cycling really is a lifetime sport. You can do it up into your 80s and you can start as young as, I think I rode my first bicycle, my sister's bike with training reels when I was probably five years old. Well, definitely, you know, it's certainly a, a lifetime sport. And just, uh, I think, last weekend, uh, ran into uh, Oscar Swan riding on Freeport Road, and he's something like 86 years old and uh, going by himself in his old uh, tr track shoes and just keep keeps going. And, you know, you wouldn't if you come approach him from behind, you'd never know he was 86 years old. Favorite place to ride in Pittsburgh? I'm always curious to find interesting places to ride. And you don't have to give away the secret spot that you don't want to tell anyone about. Well, we typically start from North Park, J.C. Stonefield, and head north from there. Um, you know, and we occasionally go to Swickley and do a nice coffee stop there, as well as going up to Harmony and, and I guess, as far north as uh, Prospect. Um, and then we uh, go east towards Sackenberg and uh, Oakmont, I guess. My story about Prospect, my parents used to live there, and when I was visiting them when I was in graduate school with my mountain bike, I decided I was going to do a short road ride on my mountain bike, got lost and circumvented Lake Arthur on my mountain bike with one bottle of water. I remember hitting Route 19 and going, ooh, I got a problem here. Well, hopefully you didn't bonk and you made it home safely. Only road cycling, or do you dabble in cyclocross, mountain biking, fat tire biking? Um, primarily road biking. Um, I find that uh, mountain biking is probably p too hazardous for my health because I find I'm already crashing often enough on the road bike. And then what do you do in the winter? Do you ride outside year-round or do you force yourself to go in and have the trainer madness? Well, we try to go outside as much as often. Um, if it's the roads are icy, we don't go outside just because uh, we think it's too risky. Um, also, at our age, we don't heal as quickly. Um, and so as a result, I've also have, unfortunately, taken the indoor cycling approach and have, uh, I guess, become a Zwift subscriber and uh, been doing those kind of trainings indoors. So anything to keep the pedals turning indoors or outdoors? Well, it also helps keep the weight off because I do like to eat. That's the benefit of the cycling. You can eat what you want. Not really, but maybe a little bit more than if you were inactive. Oh, certainly. So I've already given away your secret of what your bucket list item is, is to try to climb Alpe d'Huez. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, for you, if you're hanging out with your buddies or you want to impress somebody at a trade conference, the most unusual or interesting movement activity that you've done in the past, and would you do it again? In the past? Uh, oh. Well, okay, I, I've done a marathon, and uh, since then I've already torn my ACL twice, so I don't intend to ever do a marathon again. Um, let's see, I've also climbed uh, Haleakala, uh, which was a, a unique experience. took a lot longer than I expected for something like 36 miles, um, but you get to hit 10,000 feet. Um, so probably Haleakala is my most uh, interesting event. Would you do it again? Definitely. It, w it was, you know, it was interesting because I rode up 
and unsupported, and you get to the top and you realize it's freezing cold, and you gotta go down ten thousand feet. And at that point, you're going down ten thousand feet. Your fingers are cold. There, there's really no guardrails around the roads, and you gotta make sure you don't ride your bike off the road. And your fingers get very cramped holding on the brakes all the way down. I haven't gone that, but I have gone down uh, places in North Carolina where it's the same thing. You're maybe at 6,000 feet and you're going down and saying, there's no guardrails here. So it kind of makes you a little more attuned with your riding. Most definitely. You become very conscious of how quickly you're going into those curves. And I know the other aspect of what Fred does is why we're so interested in talking to him is his business, PT Helper. You mentioned that you were going to school in Toronto and you were living in Toronto and you were invited to come out here or down here to Pittsburgh and help out with a startup. Clearly, that wasn't PT Helper. For people who are not familiar with PT Helper, and I confess prior to meeting you in the elevator, I was not, and that's partially because of the knowledge silos and partially, as I think you can probably tell us about, there are so many companies out there involved in the movement, sports medicine, physical therapy, whatever your favorite catch term is, that it's hard to keep track with all of them. Oh, definitely. Um, certainly in the, the physical therapy space, is very siloed compared to the athletic training and fit personal fitness. Um, so, you know, I guess the background here is from my cycling days, um, I guess ba way back in 2013 maybe, I, I had a bad series of ba crashes on my bicycle. You know, None of them your fault, I'm sure. Well... Sure. <laughs> um, uh, you know, unfortunately, in June, I dislocated my shoulder while doing a bike tour in Italy. Um, and so coming back, fortunately, didn't need surgery and started rehab and worked with a great physical therapist here in Pittsburgh um, that worked with me. And around October time frame, he finally said to me, you know, I think you don't need to come back for physical therapy. You know, you can... You know, you're on your own. You keep doing the exercises. And the following Sunday, I crashed again and broke my other collarbone on the other side and four ribs and punctured a lung. So that Monday, I sent him a picture of my x-rays and says, hey, I'm going to be coming in next week. And since then, uh, you know, that's another uh, about four, four months or five months of physical therapy. And uh, even though he's a wonderful I got really tired of doing physical therapy exercises. And paying the copayment every time you went to physical therapy. Yes, certainly. You know, it does influence the, the cost, but, uh, you know, the, the attention and the, the work that they've done has, you know, certainly get gotten me back to where I feel I'm very equal or better than I was before. I think it's important also to note that Fred is a longtime cyclist, and I'm sure he would agree with me that if you cycle a lot, you can be divided into two groups those who haven't crashed yet and those who have crashed. So it's kind of a recreational hazard, but if you get into the sport, the positives far outweigh those occasional negatives where maybe you break a bone or end up with some road rash. Well, you know, I, so I, I ride maybe about 5,000 miles a year, and so I sort of have this mentality is that if I crash once a year, I'm doing okay. You know, even though if it's maybe just a little, you know, scra scrape on the elbow or scrape on the knee, you know, that's a, I, that's considered a crash. I, I'm doing okay. If I'm doing much worse than that, then it's a bad year. So you've had your share of physical therapy, not meaning to jinx you, but at some point if you continue to cycle 5,000 miles, 
something's going to catch up with you. Oh. But you also have developed this PT helper, and this came directly from your injuries and not wanting to go to PT? Well, it's not so much not wanting to go to PT because if you've been to PT, you know, you're supposed to do home exercise on your own, and you basically, as you're progressing along, you're maybe seeing the physical therapist once a week or once every other week. And I forget who I was talking to with the physical. Actually, I do remember. Uh, Dr. Maury Kolber said that it's often more important the home exercises than what you do in those once weekly sessions because going to those once weekly sessions, if you'd follow the home exercises, then the physical therapist can progress you. If you are like many, many patients and you don't do the home exercises for whatever the reason, then your recovery is slower or you can say, well, I've got a bad shoulder. I broke it uh, riding my bike and I haven't been able to ride since then. Clearly, you fall into the former category who religiously does your home exercises. Yeah, and even being... I would say, I guess you say, religious about it, you know, it still became a hassle. You know, you still have to count your hold times, you have to count your reps and sets, and unfortunately, you know, lose track. And that's the type, you know, that's the function that really bothers me, uh, losing count of my doing exercise, and sometimes even forgetting that which exercises you have to do. Um, so the app that I developed was to help me as an individual be remember all my exercises as well as count the reps and count the hold times for me so that I would never have to uh, encounter this frustration again. And I want to talk about this a little bit more because most people, and I would probably fall into the most people, I have various uh, notes that I keep on whatever my note program is on my computer or on my smartphone saying, okay, these are my back rehab exercises. These are my exercises I do to loosen my hips up. And I have lists and lists of these, and some of them I have little videos or little pictures. Uh, I classify myself as a tech geek who likes technology but has absolutely no knowledge on how to go about an app. I suspect if I knew how to do an app, it's like I'd be doing that for my, my own use. When you got tired of counting or you got frustrated because you lost track of them, was your immediate thought of, well, because of my background in computers, I can design an app for this? Or was this kind of... How did this come about? Well, certainly, you know, my background is electrical engineering, and I've been doing it, working with a lot of software developers and hardware developers, creating products. Um, so the f first thing that says is like, oh, come on. It's been like 15 years since I've had my last physical therapy, and they're still giving me the same pieces of paper. So, you know, there must be an app out there that can help me. And so obviously you first look out to see if there's something already there. And there was nothing that quickly came to mind that you could just – if you were given your papers to do your exercises, you could find those exercises and add them to your own workout routine. And so that's sort of the foundation of how the, the product started, um, where there didn't seem that there wasn't anything out there that matched my needs. Um, and then I, as my background, you had to write uh, appropriate uh, document of how the software is supposed to behave. And that's how it started. And working with my physical therapist, who gave me all of their exercises that they recommend for the different body parts. Was the idea originally, hey, I might try to make this a business, or was this, this is going to benefit me for my long-term exercise use? Well, it started out, it's like, it's got to benefit me first. <laughs> um, otherwise, there wouldn't be much value. Um, but certainly, then I th started, uh, you know, when you're in the physical therapy, you get to s work beside, I guess, work, do work out beside other patients. And you start talking, it's like, you have this problem. And they all seem to have the same problems I did. 
um, you know, they all lost their papers or for, couldn't forget to remember their exercises, and they all start start hate losing count. Uh, that seems to be a very common theme. Um, and so th that's how it started, and just like asking other people as, as the idea developed, you know, what kind of experiences they had at physical therapy. So this is an app, is it for a computer, for an iPhone, for a droid, for all three? Um, it's really geared for the smartphone, um, for so it's available on iOS and Android. Um, we do have a web service which is geared toward the therapists themselves, or right now also the personal trainers, where they can prescribe exercises to their clients or patients. And I think I remember from talking to you in Indianapolis, there are, and I'm probably using the wrong phrasing, two different versions or two different ways this app can be used. It can be used as a consumer and kind of as a exercise producer, which is what you would call the physical therapist or the uh, personal trainer. Am I phrasing that correctly, or can you improve on the phrasing? Well, so th the web service, which is geared for the therapist or the personal trainer or, or the athletic trainer, um, allows them to prescribe exercises to their clients and patients. It then gives them the opportunity to, it generates a unique code for that individual uh, who are they prescribed the exercises for. Uh, the patient or client can get our app, enter their code, and then the exercises that were prescribed by their uh, health professional would automatically synchronize with their phone and that then but then th they don't have to look for the exercise that's available on their app right away. I'm currently using a uh, HRV, heart rate variability app, and what I've learned is if I sync my device, my chest strap, or my finger sensor with one of my smart devices, I can't sync that same device with another device. So it's making me think that with your app, if I've got an iPad, and an iPhone. Can I have the app on both of them as long as I have that unique code from my provider for the exercises? Certainly. It's available on, on multiple devices. And one of the uh, concepts of how we think it can be also used by personal trainers, they can ge generate one exercise program and then give it to like a class. So then the whole class can then also um, synchronize all the exercises and they can all do it separately at their convenient time. I know you would probably agree with me. There are probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of exercises that would be beneficial for either teaching clients or patients or for people to use in their programming. How do you decide on what exercises get in the app? So if I decide that as uh, somebody who does a little bit of personal training, I'm going to use your, your website, and I'm assuming there's a fee, and they can go to your website for more information and contact you directly. And maybe I've got eight or nine exercises that I really, really like to use with my cycling clients. How do I get those exercises in the app, or are they already on the app? Well, we do have about um, 700 exercises currently in the app, um, and we're always constantly looking for new exercises to add. Uh, we do recognize that no matter how many exercises we add into the app, someone will have a different variation of those exercises. Um, so what we do uh, is provide the health professional the ability to create their own exercises. They can add their own pictures, their own descriptions. They can also add links into, so say, a YouTube or other type of video source that the user can then watch before they do their exercises. Is it possible for me as a provider of the exercises who's using the app with my clients or patients 
can I take my own video and, and put it directly in the app, or would the app have to link to YouTube or some other video site? So the app doesn't use video directly. It uses illustrations to sort of do a semi-animation. Uh, so it allows us to um, minimize the bandwidth that the user will use as well as the, the memory space available on their phones. So by doing animation, uh, it's allowed, it walks through the exercises, but we're actually creating video. Um, so our philosophy is that the therapist or the trainer has taught the individual how to do the exercises correctly. And the app is really there as a support to reinforce the what they've learned, and but primarily to help them actually do the exercises. So we're not so much uh, focused on education, teaching the person how to do the exercises correctly, but actually getting them to do the exercise. But would it be possible for me as the provider of the exercises to do to create the exercises with the pictures in the app and then from what you said have a link maybe to my own personal website or a YouTube channel saying just as a reminder for more tips on the exercise or if you forget exactly what you're supposed to do, go to this site? Yes, yeah, certainly in within the descriptions you can add a, a link to any web website that's convenient for you. I know having gone through physical therapy and having worked in a physical therapy clinic, I completely agree with you on the papers. Uh, I've spoken before on this podcast about a year ago, I was undergoing physical therapy for a herniated disc in my back and I would literally walk out with the papers and enter them into my smartphone because as you said, I knew there was no way in the world that I was going to remember those where those papers were and I still have those lists. Somebody who's listening to this, somebody who's involved in the physical therapy or personal training field, is there a limit to the number of exercises? Because I think you've been through enough physical therapy like me. You've got some physical therapists or personal trainers who go literally hog wild on the number of exercises, and they want to put everything up there. Um, is that when you're prescribing exercises to an individual? Prescribing it. So if I, if, if I decide I'm going to use uh, – I, I teach a few personal training clients on this side, and I decide I want to use your website – to prescribe or utilize exercises for my clients? Is there a limit to the number of exercises that I can have on the app? Um, d definitely not. You can put as many, prescribe as many exercises to your patients or clients as you like. Of course, it's going to take them forever to get done. Um, you know, one thing that I've been interesting to discover as I've gotten into the physical therapy space is that some therapists, because so few people, uh, people actually do their exercises, they, they, keep their prescribed exercises to a very minimum. So I think they only will give them like three to five exercises to do at home at any given time. I know a couple of therapists who say, I give three home exercises and I'm really happy if one of them is done. Yeah, so, you know, one thing we discovered is supposedly, according to studies, 70% of PT patients don't do the exercises at all. That's pretty close to what I asked my therapist last year. I said, what percentage do the, the of your patients do it? And he said, you mean the ones who actually do it or the ones who tell me they do it? He said, I think probably about 20% of my patients do what I tell them to do. So 20 to 30% right. right in there, depending on, on who it is. I'm curious also because wellness and online personal training is taking off now also. If I'm somebody who's working as a personal trainer and I want to use PT Helper, is that something where I can, for example, have, say, 150 exercises and select different routines for different uh, clients? Uh, definitely. You know, we do have the ability for what we call the user to generate templates. 
so that they can group exercises together so they can easily find and prescribe those exercises to individuals and then change them all over time as they prescribe different exercises as they progress from one level to the next. We're talking about PT Helper. It is an app for people who are prescribed exercises for physical therapy or they are given exercises by their personal trainer or wellness professional. For the person who is the professional, PT Helper comes with a website that allows you to add in exercises. And is it also with the uh, website when you get it, are there other already exercises that come with it? So somebody, if I, if I decide, hey, I want to get this, I want to purchase this, are there exercises already loaded in, or am I responsible for creating all of the exercises to give to my patients or to my clients? Um, so there should there are already exercises available uh, and sorted based upon the body parts, so the ankles and foot are, are grouped together. So altogether, we have about 700 exercises. Um, no, and we're always looking for more exercises. We get feedback from therapists as to what they look like to look to get, and so we will develop uh, new exercises with those as well. How long has this app been available? Um, the app has been available for about uh, three years now. Um, we've been uh, downloaded in about 100 countries, and uh, you know, finding that everyone has to do basically the same exercises wherever they are located. And I don't know if you've done this. I know from for podcasting, I was talking to a friend of mine who also does podcasts, Eric Malzone, and we were looking at the downloads for the podcast. And it's amazing some of the small countries where you see this, and I'm sure you think the same way. It's like, how does somebody in, like he had four downloads in Saudi Arabia, and his comment was, I wonder how somebody in Saudi Arabia heard about the Fitness Blitz podcast. Do you ever wonder when you look at that where they're downloaded, how did they find out about it, or do you do any surveys or marketing to find out how they found out about it? Um, you know, we, certainly with 100 countries, you know, I think we've basically almost covered the whole world. Um, and, you know, we say, it's like, well, do we know anybody there? It's like, how, how do they find out about it? Um, and I'm not sure how we will ever be able to figure out how they got became aware of our, our, our app. So it's, it's pretty phenomenal, I guess, the, the benefits of technology to be able to distribute this kind of capabilities around the world. I'm also curious because, as you said, you became interested in, in developing this app because of your experiences in physical therapy. And yet I met you at the National Strength and Conditioning Association conference where there are quite a few physical therapists who go there because they are dual certified. Is this part of the plan to branch out or to continue to develop other uses of the app for the fitness or performance aspect? Yes, we're definitely looking at expanding the capabilities into the more of the wellness and fitness space. Um, we will be going back down or down to Baltimore, I guess, in a couple weeks for the personal trainer conference that's going on down there. And we're starting to work into the wellness space uh, with some therapists who are working with larger corporations developing wellness programs for the employees. I think this is definitely a direction where technology is going. Any other directions that you're looking at going that you might want to share with us? Well, we eventually would like to be able to uh, connect with sensors to detect motion. Um, I think that's, again, a longer-range vision as to because it's certainly much more complicated, but that's something that we'll, we'd like to eventually end up with. But on the other hand, the way technology is going, I know I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago, and literally, if you remember back in the early 2000s, the phone that you're carrying around in your pocket right now is much, much more powerful than that computer that you had then. Oh, definitely. And it's 
quite interesting. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll get some people will tell me they're still using old flip phones, and they're very proud of that aspect. Um, but certainly today's uh, smartphones are so much more powerful than maybe 10 years ago from a com on your computer or desktop. The company is PT Helper. We'll have extensive links for somebody who is a consumer of this app. Is it a free download for the app? And then it's a charge for the personal trainer or physical therapy who's using, using it to add the exercises. Is that correct? Well, there is a charge for the personal trainer and the therapist for the web service. But there is a $1.99 charge for the mobile app for the end user. It's a one-time fee and it's theirs forever. Um, th they can uh, access the same database of exercises that the therapist and the personal can trainer and can create their own uh, local uh, favorite exercises. So that's w one way where we're very different from other apps out there where they can create their own exercises based upon uh, w anything that's within our database. And for less than $2. And less, less than a medium cup of coffee. PT Helper, I think when we hang up, I'll be downloading the app, or tonight I'll be downloading it because I think that's an interesting thing, and I like to be up with the technology. Fred, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to FitLab PGH. I'm looking forward to seeing how PT Helper changes and develops the way exercises are programmed and provided for athletes and patients. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of FitLab PGH, brought to you by Moving to Live. Intro and exit music is Marathon Man by Jason Shaw. Check out the show notes for contact info for our latest guests, links to other information mentioned in this episode, and links to our sister podcast, Moving to Live. Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise for professionals and amateur aficionados. Moving to Live offers topics from career development to coaching tips and education resources to advice for parents of student-athletes. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play, or check out our website for other subscription options. Your free subscription gets you notified when we release a new episode. Questions, comments, suggestions? Email us at fitlabpgh at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fitlabpgh and like us on Facebook. If you enjoy our podcasts, please tell your friends about us and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make FitLab PGH a go-to place to learn more about movement in the Pittsburgh area. Until next time, keep on moving.